Gather round, one and all, and listen to tales of excitement and adventure. Tales of daring heroes, savage monsters, and bards who just couldn't keep it in their pants. Tales of friendship, nobility, drunken foolishness, and unforgettable fun. These are tales of role-playing games, fair listeners, and this is Rollin' Bones. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your guide. Good evening, Boneheads, and welcome to Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard, your RPG treasure trove. I'm your host and king of the Boneheads, Ryan Howard, and uh, we're getting back to what Rollin' Bones has traditionally been all about tonight. We've done a lot of actual play stuff recently, a lot of stuff related to Deadlands Hellgate Trilogy, but we're getting back to... uh, what those of you long-timers know and love is Rollin' Bones, and I can't think of anyone better to uh, kind of bring things back to the, the core of what the show's about than our old friend, the founder and creator of Planet X Games, ladies and gentlemen, Levi Combs. Welcome back. Hello, everyone. It is great to have you on again. It's it's actually been a little bit, uh, so it's it's cool that we were finally able to pull this off, and uh, you know, finally able to to bring you back on to talk about some stuff. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, no Kickstarter's going. I just it just just want to talk and have a good hang. So <laughs> it's always a good time on the show. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, in the time since we uh, had our last conversation here on the show, we did actually get the chance to meet up in person at North Texas RPG Convention, uh, which was my first time at the show. And let me say, it was great to to see you and see everyone there and, and kind of, you know, get to know everyone on like a more personal level beyond just, you know, talking to them on the show here. Oh, yeah. Put those uh, you know, names to faces, you know. <laughs> Absolutely, but yeah, I that's mean, a that's... good show to do that too, at man. Yeah, that show's great because you're not um, you're not having to uh, wait in line for a really long time, or, or wait in line at all. You can just walk up to Larry Elmore and say, you know, hey man, it was nice. It's nice to meet you. My name's you know <laughs> Levi, um, and then end up having like a twenty minute conversation about Kentucky bourbon. You know, <laughs> you, ne- you never know what's going to happen. Like they're all so accessible and also cool that you know. And the, sh- the way the show is put together, it's just a, it's just, it's a real, um, it kind of harkens back to the, the old days when gaming wasn't very popular, you know, and you, you could have access to these folks and they were, you know, so glad that someone knew their name. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I've been trying to, uh, you know, since I went this time, I've been trying to get Seth Skorkowski to come now, uh, and that would be another great experience just to have him kind of, you know, walking around the convention as well. Uh, but yeah, I love, I, I love that show so much. I, that's going to be one that I have to keep going back to every single year at this point. Oh, yeah. Just, I, I, I have not had that much fun at a convention in so, so long. It, it was a great kind of first con back for me. Oh yeah, man. So like you have all the big, you know, temple cons, your Gen Con, Gary Con. uh, game hole all these big temple cons and those they're all great 
Um, but there is something special about North Texas. Um, I don't want to say intimacy. Like that's not really the word that I'm looking for, but <laughs> kind of in that uh, aesthetic or vibe of that, you know, uh, that is the, the, the feel because you have, uh, um, you have the opportunity um, to, to meet people who you know, are, are in the hobby and uh, who do are professionally in the hobby. And then, you know, other fans too. And you end up making these, you know, these lasting long-term friendships with folks, you know, just by rolling. It kind of harkens back to like the days whenever you were sitting around your parents' kitchen table, you know, with the, with the red box and, you know, everybody was, you know, it was everybody's first time, you know, roll, you know, you know, you know playing something. And, uh, you know, a lot of folks still have the same, those same friends all these years later. The same for this con, man. And people have gone to every single one of those cons. And, uh, you know, they, once a year they meet up there and it's, it's just like old times again. Absolutely. And, and next time, there were so many people who I saw at the show and heard were there that I didn't get to talk to that I've talked to since. Uh, Eric Tenkar was one of the big ones. I didn't actually... I don't think I actually had a conversation with him at the show. We just talked about it afterwards. And uh, it, Jeff was another one. I, I saw him at the show and, and didn't say anything, didn't get the chance to say anything. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it's amazing who all is always there. And uh, even just like random games people will pull you into will be some of the most fun you have the entire time oh, yeah. you're there. Oh yeah. Those, uh, those off... Um like after hours games and especially when the bar is going like traditionally <laughs> that bar will fill up with people playing games until three four o'clock in the morning and lo and behold if Doug, Doug Kovacs is there you know doing an art signing he'll have his own like little miniature Doug con going off on the side <laughs> where he and his crew are just running back to back uh, you know, Dungeon Crawl Classics and uh, Country Crawl, Crawl Classics and all these different variations, uh, you know, um, was it uh, Infinity Road, all these, uh, no, Inferno Road, and all these other um, really, really cool games that, um, you know, they're, they're not in the spotlight. There's not a bunch of people ganged up, you know, trying to buy in to get into them. It's just, you know, the people that he invited to come play, and it's, it's kind of cool, you know. He might just pick up a giant pile of dice and just, all right, this is how much damage it does, you know, and, <clears throat> and then roll, you know, 47 die damage. <laughs> you know, anything goes with, with, uh, with that kind of stuff. And that kind of carries, that sort of vibe kind of carries on to the, um, the rest of those after-hour games. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. And, and one other thing that I discovered at North Texas, uh, just, you know, getting to know you and, and Skeeter and everyone who was there, uh, the, the like, community nature that you guys have, have fostered there, especially, like, amongst, uh, I, I guess it's now called the, uh, was it the Indie <laughs> Publishers Union? It's, uh, it's yeah. like you and Skeeter and uh, the, the, uh, the Bullets and... Uh, I, yeah, it's uh, Jim Wampler from Up Heavy Games. It's uh, John Larson from Old Gator. It's um, uh, Ian and Rocky from Silver Belays. Skeeter, of course, from uh, Skeeter Game Productions. Myself, Planet X Games, um, and a couple other folks as well. Uh, all kind of like kind of fan, got, we're just friends, you know, to begin with. But all kind of come from a same place of wanting to um, wanting to help people who are getting in into publishing. Uh, and Skeeter, he and uh, Zach Glazer really took the spearhead on that. They were doing these um, uh, uh, small publisher seminars at, at cons, which are 
immensely helpful. If you are at one of these cons where, where they're giving this and, and you have any interest at all in doing any kind of small publishing, you will not only save yourself headache, you'll save yourself money, time. It's, it's really invaluable. Like I wish that I had had it um, at the very beginning to help me. Um, I mean, I was lucky enough to have some great mentors, so that that is all well and good. But the information that Zach and Skeeter are putting out there um, is just top notch. Bar, I mean, they're really doing a, a service mm-hmm. to their not only for their fellow gamers but their fellow uh, indie publishers because um, they're helping folks navigate those early days and um, not maybe not trip up on the mistakes that uh, a lot of you know, that 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 you would. Um, you know, end up tripping over uh, early on. Absolutely, and I'm I'm going to be real upset, both with myself and and just kind of at the universe if uh, they're doing one at Game Hole and I'm running or in a game. At the, well, if I'm in a game, I'll probably just not show up because you know that that happens. But if I'm running a game, I have to be there. Uh, so if I'm running a game while that seminar is going on, I'm I'm gonna be upset. <laughs> I think it's on. Uh, I think it's on Friday night, and I, I'm, the time could be wrong, but I think it's at seven. And uh, he'll have like a full panel of folks, you know, J- Jeff Delaney and myself. Mm-hmm. I think probably Jim Wampler, uh, the Silver Relays, uh, all those guys. I, I believe uh, that's that's how. It's, I mean, it's Skeeter's thing, so I don't, I don't know, but I, it's usually how it goes. Um, and again. If you're a small publisher or thinking about publishing or have any desire to do that at all, that is the that is the seminar not to miss mm-hmm. because that guy, uh, you know, he's put together a group of folks who, you know, are the combined knowledge is just, you know, is enough to help steer folks right. And he's done enough times, too, where it goes, you know, real smooth. And um, he's got all of his info, well, everything, all the pertinent uh, information just dialed in. Mm-hmm. I can't say enough good things about it. <laughs> See, unfortunately, I am running a game on Friday at 7 <laughs> at Game Hole Con, so, uh, damn it. <laughs> Sometimes it'd be like that. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> ne- next con, like like for North Texas, or North Texas is probably going to be the next one that I end up going to, just based on the way things are shaking out schedule-wise, but North sure. Texas, I'm just going to, like, message Skeeter and say, when's the seminar, and... <laughs> Man, that guy is so nice, um, you know, that he'll probably just do a private seminar just for you. <laughs> I guarantee you, if you hit him up and say, can I ask you a couple questions? He will stop what he's doing to help you because that's the kind of guy that he is. That's how that that is how um, how dedicated he is to giving back and making a mark in uh, with the, you know, helping people who are in the, in the small publishing biz. I kind of sort of had that experience at uh, North Texas with Ian. Ian actually, Ian McGarty pulled me aside uh, and spent like 45 minutes just talking to me about publishing because it was at North Texas where I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this Night Haven thing. Uh, I'm going to at some point put this out. And I was talking to Ian. I was just like, I don't. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. I, I've never even attempted or thought about doing any of this. And Ian's like, all right, let's, let's talk a little bit about this. Uh, you know, tell me about the, tell me about what you're trying to do here. And 
you know, he, he took a, a good amount of time with me, and I, I was super appreciative of that. It, it was one of the, honestly, one of the most fulfilling parts of the convention was just that, like, 45-minute conversation with Ian McGarty about how do you approach artists to get art for your books? How do you fill your book with uh, content? Uh, you know, all sure. that stuff. It, it was It was super, super helpful. Yeah, he's a good one to ask too because he's done work for for a lot of folks and uh he's put out some some real good books of his own he he has a uh, adventure module uh with rocky um jason gardner mm-hmm. um called creeping cold which is like uh the best way i can describe it is like if you took um uh, the hateful eight and the thing and you kind of mixed them together in a big jar and shook it, and then you know you set it in a in a, in a frozen roadhouse. Um, it's it's a pretty good adventure. It's a lot that of fun, and yeah. And, and when he when he's if, if you have get a chance for where you're uh, playing it at a con with him, oh man, yeah. He he uh, he really ratchets you know ratchets up the tension. So it's 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 good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, and then I mean, just the other the other thing from North Texas that I really took away was uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics. Uh, yeah, I, oh, I got yeah. I got the book there, and man, I love that system. It's fantastic. It's a great game system. Yeah, I think as far as the mainstream games go now, like it's you know when you look at all the the big the big boys, um, and you know if you don't if people think Goodman's you know the Goodman games is not not one of the big boys, yeah. Uh, you're wrong because mm-hmm. if uh, I'm, I'm telling you if, uh, if folks aren't careful they're gonna they're gonna be the leading game you know oh, yeah. that's how good that game is and, it, and the people who play dungeon crawl classics they are um fanatical is not the right word but they are fans not only fans but they are super fans and they're very loyal um and goodman treats their you know they, they, they treat their fans great you know they're you can get a module and it's not thirty dollars. You know, it's nine ninety nine at your game store. You know, you can, you know, the the crazy dice, the you know the the spell the spell burn, all the spell casting for the wizards and clerics, all that stuff, man. It ratchet, the mighty deeds. It just ups the ante um, and the opportunities for cool things to happen while you're playing. It, it makes it feel like. Um, you know, it's for me like it's 1983 again, and I'm playing my first <laughs> game of Dungeons and Dragons because that's exactly how it feels. It feels nostalgic and new and uh, dynamic all at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it, it's one of those things for anyone who's hesitant about it. I know there's this there's this particular strain of thought that comes about from gamers of my generation, honestly, is where this comes from, where if it's not specifically explicitly in the book, the way you want it to be, uh, it doesn't exist. It can't exist in the game system. And, and the cool thing about dungeon crawl classics, it's so open ended with what you can do with what's there in the book. Uh, it it really is that fusion, like I was talking about with Eric Tenkar, about of you know the dice, the character sheet, and your brain of what's possible in in the game. Uh, so you know all the crazy things you want your character to do or want your character to be, it's possible. It's not oh, yeah. explicitly laid out as you know you take this path and take these feats and all. The, it's not like that. It's what can you do with these given rules? What does your brain tell you? Uh, 
is is a path forward, a way to you know do that cool thing uh, that your your mind is built up uh, in game with kind of these limited rules, and that's that's really why I've kind of gravitated more towards these uh, OSR lighter rules type game systems. Is the fact that it doesn't have to be set in stone; it can be. Uh, open to interpretation and a roll of the dice. No, I mean, totally. Um, do you have a copy by chance of the Goodman games, how to write adventure modules that don't suck? No, I should probably get that. <clears throat> All right. So if you ever plan on writing an adventure module, mm-hmm. this is the, if, if I could tell you to buy one book or one source or read one article, I would say, go out and grab this book because what Joe Goodman did was he gathered together a bunch of people that he respected or that he knew their writing and knew that they could write or what their strengths were in various uh, pieces of um, adventure design. You know, uh, Casey's in there, uh, Harley Stroh, Brendan LaSalle, uh, just a ton of, uh, just a ton of people are, you know, it's, it's got like 30 chapters or something. Um, and each chapter deals with a different part of, you know, doing adventures. And his his partner, his his chapter specifically, um, is one of the best ones in the entire book because he really lays it out like, "Hey, I'm a I'm a publisher. This is what I'm looking for. So when I when I get a uh, somebody sends me a manuscript or a, a treatment or an idea or something, this is what I'm looking for." And he the way he lays it out it explains it. If you're approaching it from for the first time or you know you're a, kind of a novice. Um, it really lays it out for you. It's super helpful. And it, you know, he never talks down to you. Nobody in the book does. It's just a really, really good product to read, you know, cover to cover and, you know, and make your notes and, and learn uh, kind of the ropes for, for writing the adventure. Um, I've taken dozens of things from, you know, little, little, little pieces for that book, um, pieces of advice, and they've all been helpful. There it's, it's a, it's, it's again, if you're writing a, an adventure for the first time or, for the tenth time, um, it's it's just good information to have. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I need to read this. Um, and for anyone out there, uh, any boneheads out there looking to pick this up, uh, like Levi said, just looking at the credits here: uh, Casey Christopherson, uh, Jim Wampler, and John Hook. Uh, veterans all of Roland Bones are in this book. So. Uh, you know, pick it up. There's some great minds there. Yeah, I think Michael Curtis is in there, and Harley Stroh, and a couple of the of the big, uh, the more well known um, Goodman Games writers. Um, you know, all those guys, uh, Brandon Lasall, those all those guys, all uh, they they write the best adventures. <laughs> you know, whether or not they're just going to be uh, one or two sessions, or whether or not it's going to be three or four, or you know, even a campaign. Um, those guys write my favorite adventures so when i saw that they were giving advice on how to write adventure modules it was a no-brainer you know and then like i said you got jim wampler in there too i mean jim has has written he's talking about a veteran that guy is he created mutant crawl classics i mean he's you know does scientific barbarian he's got i don't know how many adventure modules and um scenarios under his belt i mean the guy is a I mean, not only does he look like a wizard, he is a wizard. You know, like when it comes to, uh, and he'll tell you, he'll even play a wizard. Um, he, uh, yeah, he's just one of those guys, man, that 
I mean, there's a lot to learn from that guy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, now you, you mentioned uh, that you don't currently have any Kickstarters going on. I do want to talk about one that just wrapped up, and then we'll get into one that's coming uh, sure. just you know this next month. But uh, not too terribly long ago, you were running the Kickstarter for Ray Guns and Robots, which... Uh, Robots. Anyone who uh, is hearing that title and, you know, seeing that Levi put this book out, you know Ed Bickford's all over this. So uh, how did yeah. that campaign go? And, and what's something from <laughs> that uh, that zine that you're kind of, you know, most excited to, to show everyone when it comes out? Uh, no, it, the whole campaign went really, really, really well. Um, I knew from the get-go that um, people would see Ed Bickford's art um, cause you know, it's very dynamic and it, it, it fits the material perfectly. I mean, Ed is one of those guys, uh, you know, he, he can, he can draw anything, but man, when you give him machinery and guns and spaceships and, uh, robots and, you know, cyborgs and, you know, all, all that kind of sci-fi, uh, pulpy, um, pulp era, uh, atomic robo kind of, kind of stuff. Man, he just, the sky's the limit. He just soars when he gets that kind of material. Um, so he was the, you know, from the from day one, he was the guy that I was like, hey, I want to do this kind of light sci-fi, uh, retro sci-fi, um, kind of a, atomic futuristic uh, zine. And I, I want your art to be, I, I want the cover. I want it to be full color. I want it to pop because, you know, I'm looking at your sketchbook and I'm like, well, why? why aren't these illustrations in a, in a oh, yeah. you know, in a zine or a book or something? Um, so yeah, we teamed up on that. A couple other people uh, chipped in as well. Lawrence Hernandez, uh, James West from black pudding. You might, you might know him, mm-hmm. uh, Jay Shields. Uh, and it's a couple other people um, chipped in kind of some in, interior illustration art, but um, 80% of the art in the book is, is Ed. Um, and it is, it's a pretty, pretty book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My, my, it's our first color zine as well, so um, yeah, that was a that was a bonus, another incentive to move uh, move forward with the project. Absolutely, yeah i I thought it was so funny talking to Ed on the show in person. the The fact that that wasn't intentional; he didn't necessarily intend for his entire career to be built around drawing robots. He just <laughs> kind of found out that's what he was good at. I I was very surprised by that. I thought. I thought there was some kind of intentionality there, but he's just like, no, it's just something that, that people thought I did well. You know, I, uh, I don't know who, I don't know who burned him in the comic book industry. Um, you know, cause he's a professional. He doesn't say names. Yep. Um, I don't know who burned him, but whoever did, I want to buy him a drink because <laughs> they, he, they, they so soured him on drawing comics, you know, or at least mainstream comics, you know, Marvel, DC, the, the big boys, um, they so soured him on that that when when Casey um, Casey Christopherson, the art director for Frog God, was out scouting for talent, he ran across Ed at a, at a convention in Kansas, uh, Kansas City, and uh, they hit it off. And um, you know, C- Casey said, "I don't have anything for you right now, you know, but um, my friend Levi does. You know, he's got this adventure coming, and I really think he'd be good for it." And then you know, he put us together, and then uh, Ed and I we really, really hit it off. We've come real good friends. Um, and we've done, I, I want to say at least a half dozen projects since together. Um, and he was, you know, he's very, very pivotal in the way that, um, planet X products look, 
you know, between him and a, and a handful of other artists uh, that have worked with worked with me, you know, kind of from the beginning, um, we've collaborated to make a very a very uh, certain look that Planet X has, you know, with the, with the, with their stuff. Um, and he's he's huge, you know, very very pivotal with that. He's um, I can't say enough good things about Ed. If you just let me ramble on, I will just sit here and talk about him for the next hour. So, uh, Ed, you're awesome. Whoever hurt you, let me buy you a drink. And uh, welcome to the RPG <laughs> art community, man. We love you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that it, it's interesting that you bring up how Ed has kind of shaped the the look per se of of Planet X products. Because I was just gonna say uh, when when you brought that up, the two artists that come to mind when when I think about you know the the Planet X games library are him and then Adrian. Adrian's another sure. one who I, Adrian Landeros. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, those two guys, and then you know, here's the thing: is that they're both very talented, mm-hmm. but what sets them apart from, I don't want to say nearly everybody else, but a, a lot of people, um, is two things: one, they are an artist and an illustrator, which means, man, they, they, yeah, they have they have all the talent; they can draw whatever you you ask them to draw, but they deliver on time. And if there needs to be a small change here. They, you know, there's, there's not ever a problem, mm-hmm. you know, they, they are willing to meet you, um, to, to listen to what you have to say, but then put their own, you can trust them to put their own spin on things. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll say, Hey, I want it this way. And then I'll get it back. It's a little bit different, but then I start looking at it and I'm like, well, this is so much better than I ever, than, than the idea that I had in my head, man, am I glad that I, I hooked up with, with this guy, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and then, um, you know, they're just, both both those guys, man. Um, this is the second thing being that um, they're likable and they're easy to work with, and that alone will get you work if you are just you know if you're not difficult, mm-hmm. you know. Because you run across some people, um, and I haven't had it happen very often, but you run across some people that they're a little difficult to work with sometimes, or they're kind of whiny, kind of complainers, you know. Um, and not very often, you know. It's it's only been a, ha- a handful of times over hundreds of illustrations so um but those guys aren't like that and that alone will just be like well hey the the first person that i'm 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 looking to call is going to be one of those guys you know so we have a good relationship we um we've worked together on you know pretty much every planet x product you know there's a few in there that um they were just too busy for but um I'm fully prepared um, to lose them because, you know, I won't be able to afford them because, and, and rightfully so, I hope so. I, you know, these guys uh, are, they're, they're so talented that they're going to get snapped up by, by, you know, bigger names than me. And uh, I, I want that for them. You know, <laughs> I want those guys to, to move on and, and, uh, and, you know, make the big bucks because that's where they belong. Absolutely. Now, one other thing that I've noticed just with kind of the, the campaigns that you've been running recently, uh, now Iron King did come out, uh, but a lot of what you've been doing recently and a lot of kind of, you know, what's coming on the horizon based on what you've said, uh, it's been a lot of zine type content. Is that more kind of where your, your energy is focused right now instead of putting out the like bigger books, just putting out regular zine content? Is that kind of the, the strategy moving forward here? No. So, um, so I did something different this year, um, starting at, at the beginning of the year with, um, uh, what was it? It was 
magic and shit. Uh, the the magic item uh, compendium that was inspired by uh, my high school years of loving heavy metal. <laughs> um, yeah, so I started and I thought, you know, let, let's do zines this year. Let's 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 make that the main focus as far as like the most product that we put out. Um, I've got these a bunch of small ideas and some different genres that I want to kind of dip my toe into. Mm-hmm. One of them being the, the you know the the atomic future retro sci-fi of ray guns and robots, and then. Um, in October, there's a there's a weird West kind of a um, uh, I don't want to say Deadlands because it's it's pretty far from Deadlands, but um, a weird Western a supernatural Western mm-hmm. um, zine that that that, that I've, I've written and have gathered together this awesome team of artists, uh, all of which are new to, to Planet X uh, to work on. So, um, so two things, you know, I wanted to do some different things. I wanted to work on some different show that I could do some you know different. Uh, different genres. And then I wanted to, uh, to really dip my toe into the zine world and see if that was going to be, you know, feasible as far as, you know, putting out content and, um, you know, being able to stay in the black, you know, um, because that's always the thing is you're always balancing your, you know, your desire to, to make content and do things. And I want to do this. I want to do that. And with, oh, yeah. you know, also trying to keep the lights on. So um, luckily, um it's been successful so far i mean not like crazy successful but but good you know like mm-hmm. we have a very loyal group of uh of fans and people who kind of like the the aesthetic of our content uh which i i always describe as you know weird fantasy you know it's not uh despite my background it's not uh <laughs> it's not like your tolkienish sort of uh um fantasy <clears throat> it's more along the lines of like uh michael moorcock and the dirtier Robert E. Howard stories, you know, the grimier ones, mm-hmm. um, a little bit of Lovecraft, a little bit of Fritz Lieber and, uh, you know, Rogers, Rogers, Zelazny and folks like that. So, um, so yeah, so it was definitely by design. Um, but then next year we're kind of going back to weird fantasy, you know, there's, there's several, uh, uh, several modules, adventure modules that are going to be coming out for fifth edition. And uh, we're dipping our toes into some other game systems as well. Like the first one that's, that's, that's coming out um, is called um, This Dungeon is Alive. And that's one that Ian McGarty and I are teaming up on. It's going to be a 5e adventure. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's also going to be offered in Swords and Wizardry because I really like that system and want to support it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I got and then uh, I, just, I just talked to Diogo Nogueira today. And uh, he and I are going to work together on one probably for the, the for the middle of next year. So Sweet. good stuff. It's good stuff on the horizon. <laughs> I got to give uh, Swords and Wizardry a go at, again at North Texas, and I, I mm-hmm. had a great time with it. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a great system. I mean, it feels like you're playing, you know, old school D&D again. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's as close to it as you can get. You file the serial numbers off, you know, you know, pat it on the back and knock the dust off and then you know there you go it's um but you know that's that system really sings uh in the hands of talented game masters so like if you sit down with like a bill webb or uh, matt finch or casey christopherson somebody that, that knows the system and has been doing it for a long time uh that's where that system really really sings not only in the simplicity that kind of like uh older guys like myself have kind of gone back to um but in you know they know the rules front and back and they really 
are able because the, of the strength of knowing those rules, they're able to kind of focus on the story and the action. And uh, those are some fun games. Absolutely. Now you mentioned, uh, you know, kind of dipping your toes into weird West. I've very much been living in, in the weird West over the past month and will continue <laughs> living there uh, up through November with, uh, with Hellgate uh, so let's talk a little bit about that, that zine coming up in October. Uh, wh- what kinds of things do you have in store and, and where do you, where do you think your interpretation of weird West is going to end up, uh, taking, taking <clears throat> us? Well, I, you know, listen, I, lo- I love that John. I've loved it ever since, uh, I was a kid and I was reading, um, weird Western tales, mm-hmm. uh, featuring Jonah Hex. You know, there was always oh, yeah. something weird going on in those books. And I'm, I'm just a comic book horror fan from the get-go um and you'll see a lot of that kind of creep into the the vibe of 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 the stuff that we do um you know i was that kid who was reading fangoria and starlog and uh always had an issue of famous monsters of film land rattling around Mm -hmm. you know i had the the house of mystery you know uh, where creatures roam you know um uh, the Haunted Mansion, uh, you know, all the all the ghost comics, you know, any, any kind of suspense comic, Swamp Thing, any kind of monster comic. That was kind of my my uh, my that was my my vibe. So, um, you know, fast forward to now I'm in my 40s and I've, I've played Boot Hill. I've played Aces and Eights. I've played uh, Deadlands. Uh, look, really looking forward to playing uh, Dark Trails and Weird Frontiers, all, all, all those games. I've, I've got them. I've, I've looked at them. Uh, haven't played them yet, but um, that that whole genre—I guess it's really a subgenre. It's like a horror western. Mm-hmm. Really appeals to me, you know. Um, a- again, not only from when I was a kid, but I'm just a, a western fan in general, you know. Oh, yeah. uh, my you know my dad grew up. I grew up watching westerns with my dad, and you know, uh, Bonanza and all that, you know, all that kind of stuff. So when it came time to do this, I felt the well was really, really deep. Um, and you asked kind of where it falls in, you know, where it falls into like, you know, Deadlands has a, has a real good, um, kind of all around weird West vibe. You know, you never really know, uh, hold on, let me, let me back that, backtrack that up. You, uh, it's, um, what's the word I'm looking for here. It is a, a system that incorporates a lot of different elements, you know, for the, for the, for that genre. And, and really, I think that as far as RPGs go, I mean, the, the heavyweight really lies on Deadland's shoulders. They've been carrying that torch for, you know, a, a lot of years. So, you know, to me, they're the, they're the, um, you know, they're the, they, they get a plus mark, mark on all that. Uh, but we're like something like um, weird frontiers is very, you know, Western meets Cthulhu, mm-hmm. you know, um, the, this project that we're doing um, is not, is not any of that. <clears throat> it's more like um, famous monsters of film land meets you know 310 to yuma <laughs> you, know, you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. it's uh it's it's very much but in the middle of all that uh it very much has a fun tone as well so there's uh you got your classic monsters you have all of your classic uh western tropes you've got um all the things that you would expect to see in a, in a wild west um flavored rpg rule set although it's not a rule set we'll get to that in a minute uh, it's very much a source book or a, um, a, a, a companion to a to an actual rule set, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's got all those elements. But there's 
it, 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 everything mixes together and it's it, it comes out with a very speci- you know, specific um, and fun tone, I think. And you might not, you know, when you think of Weird West, you might not think fun as far as like the tone of the thing, but it really does come out good. You know, there's a little darkness there, but, you know, we're having fun with it. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and when you mentioned kind of that fun tone, there there is kind of that element of uh, dark humor to a lot of kind of Weird West stuff. The, the big one that stands out in my mind, even though it's a more modern set movie, uh, but From Dusk Till Dawn is very much a Weird West film, and there is there is that kind of gleeful madness about that entire movie. So. Yes, 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 you, you get it. Yeah, most definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, and you listen, there's, there's a couple of miniature uh, scenarios in the zine. You know, they're not too long, um, but just the titles of those scenarios alone will give you an idea of kind of where our head's at as far as the actual play of things. There's one called um, A Fistful of Draculas, which is all about, you know, all about the, uh, you know, some vampires hold up in a silver mine and you've got to, you got to root them out. Um, But then there's one called The Chittering Lullaby of Father Locust, which is all about, you know, you you ride into town and, you know, what's this, what's this uh, swarm of locusts doing here? Why, why, you know, why is the town covered, you know, from, from head to toe? Why are those people holed up in the church, you know? And you get kind of, it kind of goes from there. It's a little darker. But then on the other side of that spectrum, there is an adventure called, uh, sorry, a miniature scenario, only a couple pages long, called uh, The Town That Dreaded Cream Filling. And you, you think about that, like, you know, what, what is this? Is this, you know, are we, am I playing, am I playing Bunnies and Burrows or Tune or something cute like that? No, not at all. Like, it has kind of a strange uh, thing going on in the adventure, but we play it straight. You know, there's no, you know, if you run into the, the town guns blazing, thinking you're going to, you know, have, you know, just joke around and, you know, <laughs> that, you know, every, everything is harmless, then, you know, you're in for a, you're in for a short gunfight, mm-hmm. um, but you know, without without giving away what the adventures is is actually about, um, it's a that that was my favorite of the three to write. You know, it's a it's got a really it's got a fun tone, but it's very dangerous. You know, so you gotta you gotta watch you gotta be on your toes, watch your p's and q's. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, it's very much like Dungeon Land uh, in in that way. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with Dungeon Land? The, a little, yeah. yeah. The Gygax module that's set in Wonderland. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I never play. I, I have it. I've read it. I've never played it, <clears throat> but I would. <laughs> you know, I'm all for stuff like that. You know, um, yeah. you know, with 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 this, you know, as far as like the 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 town that dreaded cream filling, the the idea behind it is, um, you know, and again, without giving too much of it away, um, you know, the, your 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 characters ride into town. You're either coming out of a you know, vast desert wasteland, you know, you're parched and barely alive, or, or maybe you've been forced to eat some peyote or who know, who knows, <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a bunch of different ways that you can get into it, um, that, that we, that we offer. Um, but the town, uh, the town has been taken over by Twanky the kid. And he is, you know, literally God. this giant cream filled, you know, outlaw desperado. Mm-hmm. Um, but no one seems to notice. No one seems to know what you're talking about. Like there's, there's a whole thing going on there. And if, if you take it, uh, if, if you just laugh it off, man, Frankie's going to, he's going to fill you full of hot lead. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
and there's other, you know, and there's other little things going on again. Don't want to give any more away than that, but um, it's a uh, it, it out of all the the adventures or scenarios that we that we play tested, that was the one that everybody was like, this was my favorite. You know, <laughs> this is this is the one. You know, so I hope uh, I hope people have as much fun playing it as or it, it, it appeals to them as as much as we had uh, playing it here at Planet X. <laughs> Now, when you were playtesting, what system were you running all this in? So, so we did a couple systems actually. Um, we did a few of them in Boot Hill, mm-hmm. which just turned out to be pretty lethal. Uh, but that's just Boot Hill in general. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, and then we did Deadlands. Gotcha. Um, which I've always been a fan of Deadlands. Um, going back, it uh, twenty years probably. Mm-hmm. You know that that Brom cover. If you if you don't look at that in your your brain doesn't melt with you know pure rpg ecstasy i don't know <laughs> what's the what you're thinking so absolutely yeah but you, you the, the whole idea behind this is it was the same with ray guns and robots you can take this uh you can take this zine and you can use it with you know your your already established weird west campaign you know and it's it's like the it's like the phylactery in that way our, our other flagship zine mm-hmm. in that it contains just a ton of stuff um that you can use you know it's, it's got uh you know magic items as for want of a better term or supernatural items or however you want to classify it, that fit a very uh, weird west theme it's got locations you know that that are you know are fully statted out and has all the npc information and um it's got a a, a really awesome list of uh non-player characters and like wild west personalities um that will make for great and very memorable NPCs in your game. There's uh, quirks and perks and uh, disadvantages that you can add in. And the way that we come from it, uh, that we come at it from, you can either have them during at, at the beginning of character creation, or your uh, your game master, or judge, or, or whatever system you're using, can can take those and uh, after you know after a uh, successful adventure or scenario, they can you know, that can be a reward. So it. Uh, kind of kind of moves around uh, the systems like that um but as far as game mechanics in the zine same with Reagans and robots is that we put just enough in there that somebody who has played a rolling role-playing game before has played one game of the world's most you know famous role-playing game they can look at that and go oh that's the kind of i know the power level of this person i can kind of adapt it for um deadlands or i can walk it back and i can make a, a you know, boot hill character in, you know, two minutes. You know, it's it's a, uh, it's pretty easy to follow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's. I I always find it interesting how uh, y- you are able to kind of you know, take these concepts that will fit broadly into different uh, role playing categories and make them specific enough uh, that people can take something from the phylactery or one of your other zines uh but also general enough that it's not locked to specifically 5e pathfinder dcc what have you it, it seems sure. like a something that's actually pretty hard to do do you do you find it difficult to give enough that you know there there's something of substance there but not so much that you're locked into a specific rule set with you know what what you're providing for people in these books um you know i I didn't think about that for a long time. I just kind of, I was just doing my own process of creating adventures. 
Um, but then I read a review on 10 foot pole by Bryce Lynch. I don't know if you, if you follow that blog, if not, you should, because it's uh, he's, he's brutal in his reviews, but he's almost always right. Um, it's a, it's a good blog to follow. Um, and he reviewed one of my books called, um, it's actually one that I did for Necromancer games called uh, horror out of hag's jaw, which is a, um, it's, it's set up like a fantasy uh, game, but it's a horror game. You know, once you, once you, you know, once you get past the cover, you're like, Oh, this is totally a horror adventure. Um, and he, it, in his review, and this is this, and when I read it, it all kind of clicked for me. He said that, uh, that you could tell that instead of using game mechanics to back up the story, what I was doing was I, I had the story. I did the, the, I had thought out the whole story in advance or how things should go. And then I made the game mechanics fit around those. And I got to thinking about it and I was like, he is right. You know, like, Oh, Hey, listen, the, the dark cellar is cold. Well, why is it cold? Oh, well there's brown mold down there. Um, or there is a, gelatinous slobbering creature in the old ruined church well yeah it was a slobbering ruin a slobbering uh gelatinous creature first and then later i made it into a gibbering mouther you know mm. so when he put it that way i was like oh yeah i, I kind of do do that i have these broad ideas and then i whittle whittle away at them until i have what i want and then i apply the game mechanics to them so i hope that answers your question yeah yeah definitely i mean <laughs> Honestly, when it comes to creating things that are going to resonate with people, regardless of what systems they're familiar with, that, that really is the way you have to go about it. You have to have something kind of broad that will capture people's imagination, even if they don't know what a beholder is. The idea of a monster with multiple eyes uh, that's shooting lasers out of them that's that's hovering that's something that's terrifying to people because it just sounds wrong uh so not <laughs> not knowing specifically what a beholder is i had that when i threw one at the game i played with my family i was like here's this creature that none of you have heard of and it's this giant monster with one eye and it's got these multiple eye stalks that are the word eye stalks uh my sister got tripped up on that she's just like that's gross I hate that word. <laughs> well, you know, for years uh, in, in Dungeons & Dragons, Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, um, once you got over the hump of seeing a ghost the first time, you know, and, and you, you kind of understood the game mechanics of a ghost, uh, it, lost its, it lost its charm. There was oh, yeah. nothing really scary about running into a ghost other than, oh, don't let it touch you. It's going to age you 1d4 times 10 years, <laughs> you know, or it might jump into your body and possess you. But beyond that, there was nothing scary about it. And then along comes Dungeon Crawl Classics, and they're like, oh, no, no, no. So, yeah, ghosts can kind of do that sometimes, but here's another D, whatever, D20 thing, other things that they might do instead. You know, they, they really personalize ghosts uh, in DCC, which uh, kind of, I, I think, kind of brought um, the, the horror and the terror back to encountering a ghost because you don't know what it's going to do anymore. You know, even if you're a veteran gamer and you ran into, you know, a hundred ghosts, you, yeah, there's no telling what these things are going to do, you know, and that, and that's cool. Again, that's kind of goes back to what I was saying about DCC again, about how it's nostalgic, but fresh at the same time. So. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one thing I do have to ask you, because I run into this every time I try to get people to, to run a Western game. It's why I'm 
honestly glad that someone else had a game that I could just drop in uh, with Hellgate. Uh, but when it comes to Western games, you get people excited at first. They're like, oh, this is interesting. This is new, not, you know, fantasy D&D. And that excitement carries them about halfway through session zero. And then once they're creating characters... Uh, at that point, it's just like, okay, I'm kind of over this. And by session one, everyone's completely over it. How do you combat that? How do you, how do you get people to, I guess, look beyond what the movies tell them a Western should be and, you know, continue going through the motions, not just I'm creating a character who's wearing a Stetson and carrying a six gun, uh, but I want to explore the other things that the West has to offer. What kind of tips and tricks do you have for, for getting people hooked uh, on a Western world? Well, I think Westerns, <clears throat> by their very nature, are pretty episodic. Mm -hmm. So I think short adventures and short scenarios, and then even having uh, multiple scenarios in a single game night, you know, um, is kind of, the for, at least for me, is the way to go. Uh, I'm not saying that you can't have long established, um, you know, um, campaigns, but, you know, because you, you can, uh, but that's not for me. Whenever I run, whenever I run a, 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 a Western RPG or especially with playtesting the, the, this weird West scene that we have coming out, which by the way, its name is uh, King Tut's Rootin' Tootin' Weird West Extrava Bonanza. So uh, let's, I don't want to forget to, to say the name. Uh, <laughs> I know it's a mouthful, um, but it looks great. Um, anyways, uh, it, they're episodic. So short adventures, uh, precise awards. Again, that's why I put the quirks and uh, disadvantages and the perks into the zine so that you're not just giving out treasure. Um, if there's if they if if a if a character ends up doing something that's just you know super cool or there's a, a big moment in the game, then you can award them with one of these really strange quirks, you know. Or if they do something stupid, or there's a you know some, something bad happens as a result of something they did, you can give them one of these quirks um, or, or flaws, um, and that helps to personalize the character. Like there's a, a <clears throat> there's one in there called Coffin Dragger. That is uh, most definitely um, inspired by uh, the the Django Spaghetti Westerns uh, with Franco Nero. That's a grindhouse classic, I and mean, it's right in my wheelhouse. Hmm. Um, where you know Django had to drag a coffin behind him. You know, he, you know, your movement is, is is cut the third, but hey, you get these other bonuses. You know, hmm. so you have one really bad thing to do with your movement, but then you get some some really cool uh, bonuses as well. And then you know, there's all kinds of stuff you know the we hit all the tropes you know the the guy uh who the, the drifter who disappears into the sunset you know the guns akimbo you know all, all the there's all kind you know the the the, the crossroads bargain where you make a deal with the devil for your soul you know all that you know all that stuff's in there you know so the, those are cool little perks and tricks I, I think that that help to personalize characters past just what uh is in the rule books you know anybody can get these feats or these abilities that are in the book if they build their character right. But not everybody can get the cool things that the DM is just going to hand out to that character because they did that one thing, hmm. you know. Uh, so I think that helps personalize. So, yeah, short, short scenarios, personalizing your characters, um, and keeping it episodic, you know. 
for yeah, me at least. <laughs> that's something I've talked about a little bit when I do the solo streams about how I would run certain certain different genres of games. Uh, one thing that I've kind of stumbled upon is with these different, you know, basically non-heroic fantasy genres uh, that you might want to run your players through. You can't just treat it like D and D, but we're superheroes, or D and D, but we're yeah. cowboys. Every genre has a unique feel to it, different flavors that you know make it interesting, uh, and and make people want to continue viewing that. And part of getting your players to engage with it is kind of breaking them of we're not dungeon crawling with six guns. Uh, right. The situation's going to be different. The solutions are going to be different in in these scenarios that you run into. And the scenarios themselves, like you mentioned, with kind of the shorter, more episodic scenarios, they're going to be different. It's not going to be uh, dungeon to dungeon or town to town, slaying dragons, that kind of thing. It's it's going to be a little bit different. Listen, my, uh, my fantasy games, uh, for the longest time, were very much campaign-driven, you know, mm -hmm. very detail-oriented and you know, the idea was to get the, um, if I had a group of regular players that we were going to, you know, game together every week, was to get them really invested in their characters and the world in general. And not only would that help me kind of build the world around their characters, but um, it would, you know, that that's the kind of game that I enjoyed playing at that time. It wasn't until later that I got to, to, to you know, more into the, the, you know, the dungeon crawl aspect of things. I was very, very invested in that story-driven um, fantasy for a long time. But then I started... Uh, game uh, uh, dming stuff like um cyberpunk champions you know back in the day yep. and i found out real quick that again those short episodic games um you know one game or uh, you know a, a two-week game you know or two sessions and in, in, you know uh, you know one session or two sessions was going to be the way to go with those um one with cyberpunk just being like so much like run and gun you know you're just always you're being chased or you're always chasing somebody or you know you're really trying to you know you're you're living on the edge kind of kind of uh, game and then with champions you know you have to, you're thinking comic book format you know because it is superheroes yeah. so i'm thinking like you know there's definitely a an opening act a middle act and an end mm -hmm. you know there's definitely a, a structure going on here and those those made for short games gotcha now I do have to ask, uh, since since you dropped the title here, where where does the King Tut come from? Is that just oh. uh, interesting <laughs> flavor? Is is there like mummy stuff in in this Weird West game? Too? What, there is actually. Um, so mummies very much a part of uh, of Western lore. If you if you start reading about it, because you know, there are some really strange things that happen in the Wild West and then. And really on the frontier, mm -hmm. this isn't just about the the Wild West. It's about you know it's it's during that that whole, that whole period there of of, of uh, manifest destiny and expansion and um, kind of that whole you know block of you know eighty years or so. Um, there are mummies. There's a, there's a monster that's called a dry gulch mummy, but then there is a legendary gunfighter named Wild Bill Hotep. <laughs> <laughs> and he is a he's a he's got a great backstory and he's uh you don't want to cross him you don't want to run across that guy on the on the streets of deadwood for sure hmm. <laughs> i mean that just hearing that name in association with this is going to be a weird west zine my mind immediately went to bubba hotep 
Um, oh yeah, which yeah. I know is a movie we both love. So. Yeah, no, I, how can you not? Uh, zero in common with that movie, right, but um, yeah. no, for sure. Now, there's a great illustration that Ray Friendin did of a werewolf, got, uh, like a werewolf, like uh, cow punch, mm-hmm. uh, punching a uh, punching a mummy. Um, and it's it's such a great. I mean, you'll see it when the Kickstarter launches. It's it's, it's such a great you know illustration. You can't help but use it as as, as a promo piece, but. Um, yeah, there's definitely mummies. Uh, the title, actually. So here's a little inside pool for you. The, years ago, I, I spent a lot of time, um, many many years, uh, attending bar, and uh, one of my one of my uh, regular customers and, and a friend was uh, this fellow named uh, uh, Colin, who, who was a stand up comedian. And one night, uh, we're just all sitting around or standing around. And he he lets loose with this. Um, hilarious um screed about uh king tut's root and tootin uh extrava bonanza and western wear they said, that's going to be the store that i open up that's going to be the bar that i open up and he's just going <laughs> on and on about it he's a stand-up comedian so he's hilarious he's just mm-hmm. he's on his toes he's got us all laughing and for whatever reason that title stuck in my head for years and years and years and then when i was trying to figure out a title for my weird west zine because i didn't want it to be like too you know too serious you know too pulpy i wanted it to be you know something that was approachable and fun uh, even if it was a little long so i dropped him a message and i said hey man this is kind of my plan to do this thing i remember years ago that you, you know, he's like how in the world did you remember that like <laughs> he's like i remember it because i wrote it but like how did you remember it? i was like it just for whatever reason stuck in my head and he uh he agreed to let me use the name he was like please go do something fun with it and i was like all right cool so that's where the, like, again, a little inside pool. That's where that name comes from. So thank you, Colin. That's, that's fantastic. But again, just, <laughs> just the juxtaposition there is hilarious. I, I love it. No, um, listen, it was one of those things where you had a, like, you know, uh, I had a name. That was the, the first thing. I had some ideas and a name. And then I thought, well, if, if I have the word King Tut in it, I got to do, I got to put some mummies in it. Oh, yeah. So then I started looking up, you know, Weird West mummies started googling things and reading reading stuff at the library and i was like wow there actually were mummies in the old you know the old west you know there's elmer mccurdy he's the uh the, the soap mummy i don't know if you've ever if, if you read much about uh the weird wild west but that's a real thing you know i've heard a little bit about that yeah i mean that's a like i said and they got the the, the dry gulch mummies you know these they're basically desiccated in the desert you know they dry up and you know this this, this stuff happens there's no, you know, there's King Tut's not roaming the Wild West with a six shooter and a black Stetson hat, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Although, although that could be interesting. <laughs> no, totally. I'm all for it. Or at least Steve Martin dressed as King Tut, wearing a black Stetson and and carrying a six gun. Oh, <laughs> uh, even better, even better. Um, you know, listen when you start when you start researching this stuff, you, you know, you start looking at uh, reading stories about weird things that happened in the old West or on the frontier mm-hmm. or back in the old timey days, you know, it's a lot like there's, you know, oh, yeah. there's a lot of stuff in there. You know, you have to be real careful that you're not duplicating material that's already been done by the, you know, a giant whose shoulders were all standing on with this genre, like Deadlands, you know, or mm-hmm. even something newer, like, you know, weird frontiers or dark trails. So, you have to be real careful. You're not duplicating material, but 
it's wide open for for some stuff you know like you know every edition of a weird west zine is going to have a chupacabra mm-hmm. you know or a game is going to have a chupacabra but um how do you put a spin on that so it's not the same as everybody else's you know um a lot of strange tales man and, and not just you know gunfighter tales or you know mountain man tales or you know even with uh you know you know native folk tales there's just so much weird stuff going around mm-hmm. um there's a did you know there's a whole um a whole what was it a a troop of camels were imported over from the des like from from overseas in the middle east brought over um to the frontier because whoever this person was that, that, that ordered this had it in his head that these, these animals would be great out in the, out on the frontier, which they, you know, they probably came over and, you know, they were like at the camel core or something. This is a true story, you know, like mm-hmm. this is something that really happened. So how do you take, and of course they all probably died, yeah. but, you know, they're not meant to, you know, not, not meant to be over here, but uh, how do you take something like, like that weird West fact and then, turn it into something that 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 fits your game you know how do you make a monster out of that how do you know where does that all come in so there's a bunch of stuff in there like that you know where we we took something that was um that was part of actual history and then we twisted a little bit we add a little bit over here and then you know see what came out the other side mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and and honestly some of the there's some great stories that come out of just you know, weird little factoids of history and weird, like, you know, there's so much, you know, so, so much of what we now call steampunk comes from just looking at designs of things. People were like, well, if we could do this, this, and this, we could build this weird thing. Uh, you know, like looking at Da Vinci drawings and and stuff that he, (laughs) he wanted to make. And there, there are entire genres born out of, uh, just weird factoids of history. Um, that you know create some really interesting stories i mean no totally even even you know getting back to bubba hotep the fact that elvis presley died under odd and weird circumstances (laughs) has created a whole mythology that like modern americans all are familiar with the theory that no elvis is not dead or you know elvis is right hidden somewhere in Biloxi, Mississippi or, or whatever. Uh, again, ju- just kind of the weird things that our imaginations create just by finding out uh, the the oddities of what actually happened in, in reality. No, no, be great. You know, and a big part of that, I think, is uh, do you remember, what was the name of it? The Weekly World News? Yeah. You remember that that mm-hmm. that that old rag that you'd see at the <laughs> in the mm-hmm. checkout aisle at the at the Piggly Wiggly? Yep. You know, <laughs> you know those. Uh, I think that had a lot to do with with before, before the internet came along with helping to perpetuate those conspiracy theories, mm-hmm. and then just the really strange, odd, you know, totally nuts uh, stuff like that. I mean, would we have a, a Bubba Hotep movie without the Weekly World News? I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> I just I always associate that stuff with uh, the the part in Men in Black where they're going to the uh, newsstand, and Kay grabs a whole bunch of those and hands them to Will Smith, and he's like, "Best investigative journalism out there." <laughs> <laughs> no, I love all those movies, man. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, no, I, you know, honestly, I'm a big fan of the weekly world news. <laughs> I used to buy it all the time on my lunch break just to crack myself up. You know, it was like, it was like 80 cents. Yeah, what are you going to do? You know, it's a pure comedy and, and you can get those big omnibuses now of uh, all the collected issues, you know, like all the, all like the greatest hits of weekly world news. They have, they have these big thick books that are full of them, you know, bat boy cited in, you know, you know, West Kentucky or, you know, <laughs> what is it? Uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, mixing it up with space aliens or, you know, whatever, you know, there's, you know, there was always an Elvis impersonator on the cover of one of those things, you know, creature from the black lagoon, you know, snatches, you know, Holly Berry, you know, or whatever, you know, there's no telling what you were going to read in those things. I think actually, yeah. Professor dungeon master just put out a video on dark vision where bat boys in the thumbnail. So wonderful. Nostalgia is alive and well for that stuff no that's 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 the good stuff right there anybody who uh drops a bat boy reference you're okay with me yeah absolutely <laughs> i had to explain i had to explain cryptids to my mom the other uh week because i saw a bigfoot shirt at a gift shop here in uh is in chattanooga uh so a couple hours from here and I was like, I didn't even, do we have like a Bigfoot cryptid in Tennessee? And my mom's like, what's a cryptid? And I was just like, oh, let me tell you, <laughs> tell you some stuff here. That stuff is alive and well throughout the United States for sure. Like uh, one of my, I don't say passions, but one of, one of my side hobbies is, uh, is uh, roadside oddities and just strange museums and just odd statues and whenever i go on a trip to somewhere i always a lot out a ton of extra time because i'm going to take that 30 mile detour to go see that you know you know statue of moth you know, from the mothman prophecies you know <laughs> i'm gonna I'm, I'm that guy you know who's gonna go looking for the bigfoot museum mm-hmm. and everywhere you go man every every state has has something strange like that some local legend or or myth or mythological creature um you know, in Arkansas, where I'm from, it was the, um, um, oh, what's it called? Uh, it's in, in Falk, Arkansas. It's um, the Boggy Boggy Creek Monster. We have the Boggy Creek Monster, which is like a version of you know, Sasquatch or whatever. You know, but um, what is it? Oklahoma, they have some sort of uh, water monster that's supposed to be in a lake. You know, and then you go over to Missouri, it's something else. And then, you know, Texas has the Chupacabra, you know, and then you, know, you go up you know wherever i think it's uh was it west virginia has the mothman you know it's something different for every state you know it's all alive and well absolutely absolutely and and that kind of imagination and weirdness is uh it, it it's definitely something worth supporting and and not something i want to lose ever because the second we stop having people looking for Bigfoot on Discovery Channel, then I think Western <laughs> society as we know it has collapsed. <laughs> I just want them to find him one time. Yeah. You know, it's just like chilling in the woods, you know, <laughs> that'd be great. They are I, made it clear, I don't those, want to uh, be found guys. <laughs> yeah. No Hey, Listen, you know, it's always the same kind of guy. Um, out in the woods looking for those guys too <laughs> you know, it's a little a little sad but um hey they just declassified all that um uh, all that ufo stuff so maybe uh maybe we're do a uh you know maybe we're do do a shocker here mm-hmm. lately i mean I'm, nobody wants that to be more real than me i want it all be real <laughs> you know i want i want my werewolves and sasquatches and, and uh aliens for sure 
I mean, my biggest fear with aliens... Everyone likes to think that the aliens out there are so much more advanced than us. I'm afraid they're just going to be worse than us. Like, their TV is <laughs> going to be a lot worse than ours. <laughs> it's, like, it's like when South Korean pop music crossed over. I was just like, why? What is this? How, how is this? If we find out, like, alien pop music is a degree worse than that, I'm just... I'm out. No. Hey, alien pop music. That'd be a, that's a great name for a zine actually. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> alien pop music. You could do, a, you could do a whole 24 page zine on that, man. Mm. Do write it tonight. <laughs> Probably. Fire, fire that laptop up. <laughs> you, I will say you have inspired me to talk over ideas with Ed about some kind of wrestling themed zine just for like use and, whatever system even something like D because i've thought several yeah. times about how to make a professional wrestler in D D. that i think that would be something that people would get a kick out of if if nothing else no no for sure man uh and i'm trying to think, trying to think of the name of the it might just be lucha might be the name of it mm-hmm. i'm trying to remember maybe I'm, I'm blanking on the name of this of this uh rpg but there is a really good lucha libre um, RPG out there already that has a very uh, non-complicated but invested rule set. Mm-hmm. You know that has you know you can you can get into all the the little nuances of of, of pro wrestling, uh, which you know you've got the background for that man. So I mean you would be the guy to write that or or, or run that. You know if you if you were running if you were running a lucha libre game at a at a con, I'm signing up. <laughs> I know that uh, uh, worldwide wrestling is out there. I, I've I've talked to the guy who uh, who put that out on the show before. Uh, I've not tried to run that, I, and it's a lot more story based. But I, I just mean like, hey, you want to have a luchador in Dungeon Crawl Classics, or you you want to play Ric Flair <laughs> in Pathfinder? Here, <laughs> I guarantee you, somebody has made rule. I bet this point has made rules for a luchador in Dungeon Crawl Classics. Oh yeah. Um, the fan base is just is so loyal and uh, creative that that seems like an impossibility that that hasn't happened on multiple levels at this point. You know, somebody out there is playing a, 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 a luchador in their can- in a Dungeon Crawl Classics campaign right now. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Some someone's playing a warrior using their mighty deeds to do a six one nine or or. Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, acai moonsault or something like that on on some bad guys yes dude i want to figure four leg lock a uh, a giant you oh, know yeah. how, how how badass would that be mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> or i uh, do the you know the feet of strength and uh twirl him over my head and throw him throw him off the side of the mountain you know that that's the good stuff mm-hmm. well hold on a second oh uh for some reason we just uh moved over to the stream ending screen <laughs> One second. At least people can hear us. We'll we'll have that back up in just a second, everyone. But I'm getting my computer fixed this week. Uh, I'm going to the beach and and sending off my graphics card to get this fixed. So we'll have these issues worked out. Uh, no worries, man. Hopefully, by some point. Oh my goodness, I hate this thing so much. Oh, you know, I never asked you who's your favorite wrestler. Um. My favorite wrestler of all time is a guy named AJ Styles. Uh, he's he's more of a modern Gather wrestler. round, one and all, and listen to tales of excitement and adventure. Okay. All right, we're back, but it started playing my intro. Okay. Here we go. All right. All right, we're back. 
<laughs> okay, so yeah, like I was saying, uh, AJ Styles is my favorite wrestler of all time. Um, and he's he's in WWE right now. He's still wrestling, uh, but he's he's a great uh, high flyer, great striker, that kind of thing. So he's he's my go to when it comes to favorite wrestler. Now, listen, I, I find that when I ask people uh, the, that question, who, who's your favorite wrestler? It always it's always the era that you grew up in mm-hmm. or the era that uh, you are most invested in wrestling in where, where whoever was the, the person, you know, like for me, when I was a kid, like the first wrestler I could ever remember loving was the great Kabuki mm-hmm. with his, you know, deadly green mist that he would oh, yeah. spew out of his mouth to blind his opponents, you know, mm-hmm. and it quickly moved on to, um, you know, dusty roads, the American dream and Ric Flair, you know, those, those yep. were my guys. But when, um, when WWE, uh f at the time as, as it was called um when that hit you know cable and you could you could see the matches you know in the middle of the week on the weekend you know it was it was a constant turnover it was all about that classic you know uh i don't know 83 84 85 lineup you know of uh hulk hogan and macho man and andre the giant and iron Sheik and all those guys but ricky the dragon steamboat was my uh i loved ricky the dragon steamboat because i just oh that's bruce lee you know in, in your head you know as mm-hmm. seven year old or whatever i was I think thinking you know watching wrestling with my dad uh but when i look back on it now like who's my all-time favorite like it's it i mean it's hard you know like you got andre the giant you know he was the ultimate you know heel you know for, for you know for my time you know for my, my my era but then how do you discount like rick flair i mean you know what a you know what a legend you know and then you know there's jake the snake you know and then you gotta go on to like you know you, you get later on like you know the rock you know how entertaining was that guy i mean he talked about somebody who had it dialed in oh, yeah. i mean when he was on the screen it was electric you know you let that guy have the the mic it was it was insane you know Stone Cold and you know all the all those guys, man. It was all that was very different eras of wrestling, but nonetheless, just constantly entertaining. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, wrestling is like I, I've made this comparison with Pokemon as well, but it's like cigarettes. <laughs> the brand you start with is the brand that you uh, you favor as you kind of grow <laughs> older, and then some people just don't smoke. Uh, so I, I never smoked and I never played Pokemon, but when it comes to wrestling, it, it was the stuff that I was watching when I first started watching sure. uh, that, that I love. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you, you find that with comics too, uh, you know, people who were reading comics and well, uh, again, objectively speaking, like 1977, to like 1993 is the best era of comic books uh just hands down but <laughs> again there are people who are going to argue and that's not even my era but, but there are people who are going to be like no the, the 60s lee and ditko stuff was better than that and there are people who are going to be like oh, oh yeah no no really it's all subjective on the 90s there what do they always say about comics is that every comic is someone's first comic yep you know it's the same with rpgs it's the same with books you know mm-hmm. um but yeah, I mean, you're right. You feel that way about comics. Uh, my, my opinions on what the best era of comics were has changed over the years. I used to think that, you know, that Bronze Age until, you know, into the 90s was kind of, or early 90s, was kind of the best, the best era. But like, um, like I read stuff occasionally now. I don't read as many comics now as I, I did back then. But 
I read stuff now and the, the good stuff, like the, the, the top of the heap, good stuff is almost better than anything I ever read when I was, you know, when I was, uh, when I was younger. Is it my favorite? No, because I have the nostalgic attachment to earlier, earlier things. Is it all going to read like, um, you know, the Watchmen or, you know, Dark Knight Returns or Fever Vendetta or anything Alan Moore ever wrote, you know, is it all going to be that smooth and flawless and awesome? No. But um, as far as the style, it definitely builds on the, um, it's the standing on the shoulders of, of those great, you know, those, those Titans from, from yesteryear, you know, mm-hmm. but it is what it is. What are you going to do? Yeah, absolutely. So as we're wrapping up here, uh, you know, is there anything else you want to discuss? Anything you want to put out there? Anything you want to plug uh, just as we're kind of, uh, you know, wrapping things up? I, you know, King Tut is going to be coming out in October. Uh, you know, Planet X Game Co. on uh, Twitter uh, for, you know, updates on that. And of course, it came from Beyond Planet X on Instagram just for kind of weird pop culture stuff that that pops up all the time i i love seeing what comes across your instagram uh just on a daily basis and like what what's levi posting about today i love that well i am a film fan man and uh you know it isn't just grindhouse movies and exploitation flicks and bad bad films i love movies just in general and i love comics and i love sci-fi and horror and you know i'm just uh, kind of an all-around uh just give 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 it to me. Give me as much as possible. I'm I'm that I'm that geek, you know. Mm-hmm. I like all that stuff. Um, so that's how you get an Instagram page like mine that has, you know, one minute it's the creature from the Black Lagoon, and the next minute it's eight paragraphs on Adrian Barbo in uh, you know some John Carpenter movie. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how that happens. Um, but as far as projects we have coming out, yes, uh, there's the Weird West scene, King Cuts Root and Tootin, uh, Weird West Extrava Bonanza. Um, that comes out in October. We're launching that on Kickstarter. So you'll, you'll have that uh, available to you shortly after Halloween. Then in December, it is uh, the Phylactery 4, which is the fourth installment of our flagship zine. Uh, it's a weird fantasy, but very much uh, OSR. Uh, you can use it at your first edition in BX um, games or at later editions as well, if you, if you don't mind a little tune-up. Uh, we have... A book coming out <clears throat> several books coming out early next year kind of one after the other uh there's dungeon malarkey that's a zine that is uh, all about the dungeon all about all about little bits and pieces and cool things that you can put into your uh into your your your, your weird fantasy dungeons there is a villain book um all about all about the bad guys uh called uh, chainsaw warlocks hecatomb creeps and other ungodly bastards that's uh, going to be a, a hardback option on that one and uh, adrian landeros has done all the illustrations cover to cover so if you're familiar with his stuff from our past products he's done a bunch of covers for us and a bunch of interior uh, illustrations uh, it's all him so it is a gorgeous gorgeous book uh, but then after that a lot of um a lot of 5e content is coming from the middle to the end of the year. A lot of adventures. Um, there's at least three in the pipe for next year. So, um, you know, so yeah, I mean, I can go on and on, but I mean, you know, it's, at some point it, <laughs> it starts to lose a little steam. So just look forward. It's got some, there's some cool stuff coming out. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, Levi, thanks for coming on. Uh, 
again, anytime you want to you want to come on and and do something like this, we can definitely definitely do this because I always have a great time talking with you. Um, yeah, it's a good hang, man. Good hang. Absolutely. And uh, just to let you guys know, schedule wise, of course, uh, you know, Deadlands Hellgate trilogy with Valor Studios this Wednesday. It'll be session two for anyone who missed out last week. Uh, you know, we'll be back to the Weird West. Uh, you know, th- this week and every every week until uh, the end of November. So you know, come come by and check out what's going on there. Next week, I'll be out of town, uh, going on vacation, but we'll be back on the 20th with session three of Night Haven, and then we'll finish out the month talking with uh, Todd Moodmounts, my uh, my co or my co-star on uh, Hellgate, talking about fifth edition Star Wars. Uh, he and uh, he and one of his friends do a whole show about that, so we'll be diving into you know using fifth edition for Star Wars games. Uh, that's coming up in a few weeks. But until then, guys, whether you rolled a 1 or a 20, I am so glad that you rolled your bones with me, Ryan Howard, and I'll see you guys next time. 